Oh yes, this is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. Today's show is sponsored by Ringmaster on a mission to launch B2B podcasts that create relationships, generate revenue, and drive growth. Ringmasterlive.com. Bam. So exciting. We have, there's no turning back now. We've hit record. We have pressed send on that email. We've hit launch on the campaign. And the ad dollars being spent. The emails are flying out into inboxes. Oh gosh! Okay, here we go. I'm I'm a little excited. I'm a little nervous about how excited I am to talk with my guest today. He is one of my personal favorite top five Canadian marketers. He's also a lifelong marketer, husband, hockey dad, and data geek. And just over the past four years. He's recorded over a hundred podcast episodes um, as the host of the Funnel Reboot podcast. Joining me is the founder and chief data analyst of Marketing What's New, Glenn Schmelzley. Glenn, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Sam. And I want to congratulate you because I know that this is your first foray as a podcast host. So congrats. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah, let's hope that doesn't deter any listeners <laughs> right off the bat. So, Glenn, let's get right into our Q1 question that we always love to start with here. So I'm going to ask you to uh, take Thor's hammer here, and I want you to take Thor's hammer. There you go. Very nice. Take that and smash some marketing myth bogus strategy or misconception set the record straight once and for all sure this is something that folks if they're listening in 2023 have been hearing left right and center maybe they're sick of it but i'm going to smash a myth around google analytics of course it's changing over and we have ga4 i think the myth that has been probably i'll lay it at google's feet But the myth is that GA4 is simply an upgrade to the older universal analytics. And it is nothing of the sort. Okay. Okay, here we go. We've got just a couple months till universal analytics is completely cut off. So what do people need to know? What's the difference that... Google hasn't really done a great job of explaining so far. Yeah, simply put, Universal Analytics is a tool that people are used to logging into in the browser and zooming around in, just glancing at reports that are nicely tied to a menu. So it's basically a reporting tool, a read-only reporting tool, and For those who do pop open the hood and look within the admin area, they may notice just a few things where they can actually like do some technical stuff. Google Analytics 4 isn't as much of that. It because Google Analytics 4, if you're really looking at all the things that it touches, 
it is mainly a technical tool, one that IT people would be very comfortable around, but it is a IT tool designed for marketers and it only has a little bit of it that it exposes into this interface that we see when we go to the analytics interface. So there's a lot more underneath there that it has Universal didn't have. And we will be doing it wrong if we think as marketers that we're simply supposed to find analogs for the things that we were doing in Universal Analytics over in GA4 and then close it and call it a day. Okay, so what what are some of those do you have a do you have a good example of something where I love looking at surface level marketing. I just want to check out this one report and now that's not going to be something I can easily find in GA4. We can argue if it's easy or hard. It depends how well people roll up their sleeves to get it. But in your example, perhaps it might be good for people to hear that GA4 allows you to design a custom report. It's in something called the Explorer area within GA4. Just to give that as an example, where you are saying, I would like to see all of the counts of these things that happened by this other category that matters to me. It might be by page, by audience, by time of day, by device, by anything. You have to take a moment and make that report, but that report will answer your exact question. Whereas in Universal Analytics, you would have had to probably look at the predefined reports and maybe gotten two or three of them together and looked around the corner and said, if it said this many people were in this area or on this device, then that other report must be able to help me figure out a little bit more. And that old way of doing it just has to go. We have to get more comfortable with saying, I'm going to create the question and I'm going to let this thing tell me the answer. And for any marketer who has spent any time within ChatGPT, they should know exactly what I'm talking about. Because you, you realize that computers are now good enough that they can provide the answer to just about any question, but it's incumbent on you to come up with a question. Yeah, it really all depends on the input from what I've seen with model and using some AI tools. And what it really sounds like, the real big difference between uh, A and GA4 right now that we've discussed is GA4, it seems like you need to be a lot more intentional with what you want to get out of it. Like you need to go in there with a purpose. I'm going in there to find an answer to blank. Whereas I think with universal analytics and I'm guilty of this as, as well, I'm sure there's quite a few marketers out there who are guilty of, you know, opening it up GA4 and then just kind of, oh, that's a cool chart. Oh, let me explore this thing. I haven't thought about that. Let me go check this out and just getting lost. But GA4 seems like you need to have a lot more intention about what you're doing 
and it's a lot more powerful in that sense. Yeah, and I'll join you in being embarrassed about past actions. I can remember <laughs> going into Universal Analytics and even compounding the mistake by showing to management, hey, look at this novel report. This is cool. <laughs> and maybe it was revelatory for people at the time, but we're now at a point in time where marketing is expected to speak the same language as the rest of a company, and that's in dollars. Challenge has come to us, and we can't just think that it'll be passable to show people fun facts. This is where this intentionality <laughs> helps us, and going in and saying, okay, I have a real question that I need answered, and I'm going to try to boil it down eventually to a key business metric, ideally even a dollar metric that the people who have put me in front of this and given me the mandate are paying to find out. Yeah, I love that, what you said there with speaking that same language of dollars and cents as the rest of the, the, rest of the business. Yeah. So it seems like you can do so much more with so much more with GA4. They probably didn't think about that rhyming, but it seems like it's like a much more powerful tool. Um, is that the case? And where do you see what's possible with GA4? Sure. Some things are possible. I don't want to rain on the parade, but I think we have to also look at what we might not be getting as readily. GA4, given that Google had a chance to do over its entire architecture, let's look at what they did differently. They made a tool that serves mobile applications and they realized, rightly, that they were losing in, despite having Android, there were a lot of things that companies are making beyond websites that people care about, and Google is losing in being able to have all that information. To roll back, at the risk of being repetitive, uh, Google's stated goal is to collect and organize the world's information and you make it universally accessible and useful. So when they noticed this hemorrhaging of things like apps that were going out there, they really quickly wanted to make an analytics tool that grabbed that. They also know that they're now in the 2020s in a regulatory climate where things like privacy are important. They're also aware that their cost of holding on to gobs and gobs of analytics data for companies is limited. So they've used, and it's a fuzzy line, but they've used privacy slash security slash data retention. They interchange those terms, but what it boils down to me is when you're looking at information in GA4, be aware that it may be using most, but not every single data point that you have. And it may also be limited in terms of how far back it looks. In the tightest example or instance, Google Analytics may only look back two months. And now you can get that longer, but 
compared to Universal Analytics, where it kept holding on to data right back to the first day you turned it on. So just had to put those limitations there. They, of course, once you look and get the context of those, you can see some things that you may consider to be powerful for what you need. But I would encourage you not to try and make decisions based on things without those important caveats that I just gave. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's funny that you mentioned UA being able to reference like everything from the dawn of time, whenever you turned it on, because I was just the other day in, in preparation for the end of UA, um, I was exporting a bunch of data from all the way back to 2018, just so I had a record of it. But it's interesting that GA4 may not necessarily be using that or referencing that th those stats um, as readily as Universal Analytics. So, that why is that? Oh, because Google doesn't want to spend money holding on to data that you may not care about. So let's talk about the, we hinted in the myth smashing that there are other parts of Google Analytics that there's no equivalent of really in Universal. Mm. So I'm referring here and just in case anybody is shaking their fist and shouting at me as I say it, if you've been lucky enough to be in a large enough organization where you paid for Google Analytics, you have had some of the things I'm about to talk about. But that's 0.001% of listeners. For the rest of us that don't have <laughs> that kind of money, what we're getting for the first time is the ability to have data that we can export, not just as a flat CSV file, but export in its original form and mm. hold on to it and have it, this is first party data that we have, but have it in our mitts, have it ready for not only looking at, but also turning on some serious data science tools and analysis tools and look at. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about, if we look broadly, at this thing called Google Cloud. And more specifically within Google Cloud, there is this data warehouse called BigQuery. So, Simply put, if people aren't aware, the setup within Google Analytics is that you can go through a few steps. There's no coding, but you follow the steps and you wait overnight and you will start to have data sitting inside of BigQuery. It's the same data as you would see if you're looking at the interface, but it's data that you can turn any either data expert onto or any application that is good at crunching numbers. And you can harness those tools, not to mention the fact that you can bring in other data sources, such as what's sitting inside of your marketing automation suite or the ads that you run. So there's more analysis that can be done there. And I'm ready to duke it out with anybody who says that is not part of Google Analytics. It's so tied into Google Analytics, 
How can it not be? They're more than happy to let you have longer periods of data sitting inside of that tool than they were with Universal because Google Cloud, if you use it enough, you will have to start to pay for the storage and for the processing of that data. Really shouldn't be surprising, right? They're a for-profit company, but they will let you have more than you've ever had before if you're willing to put in a credit card. Awesome. Awesome in the potential functionality, not awesome that eventually you're going to have to pay for it. So that, that's so cool that you can bring in the other data sources into that. And is that something that's now with the rollout of GA4? Is that something that's now available to anyone with Google Analytics? Yes. Wow. Okay. Cool. I've got some, <laughs> I've got some homework. Um, cool. So if I'm, let's zoom out a little bit because there's so many, there's so many cool directions that we could go with this. And I want to make sure that we're getting a few different perspectives here. 40,000 foot view. I'm a CMO of a, a big B2B, whatever SaaS company, GA4 changed, big whoop. Why do I care? <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's a great place to start. So if we just talk around that language of dollars that I was mentioning that the CMO hears when they're sitting around the C-suite before GA4, it would have been really hard for you to understand how what you're spending to acquire a customer matches up with the revenue that you're seeing from that customer. And sure, you might be able to do it at the very top line, but that's maybe at the end of the quarter or the end of the year when there's no time left to do anything about it. You basically have to walk in and get guillotined by your colleagues when you say to them, yeah, I know the numbers, but the numbers are terrible. <laughs> yeah. That's how it was probably done in the past. Or you did what, and I'll own up to this, people like I did, which was, hey, look at that birdie over there. And just basically change the topic and hope that nobody challenges you and sweep it under the rug. Now we can get much more granular with what we're spending, whether or not it's providing a net positive contribution to our revenue and profit. And we can even, by figuring out what is working well, we can even predict how well future initiatives will do and track against those targets in a way that we can, you know, say is scientifically rigorous, has some statistical heft to it. That's a lot better than the wet finger in the air any day. Yes, yes. And statistical heft, I do believe that was one of the one of the terms in my stats class in college. Is that and statistical significance. Okay. okay. We'll go Same, with that one. Maybe synonyms. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Talk to me a little bit about the predictive aspect of that, because that's really cool. Sure. This is something that is happening so frequently nowadays. I don't think marketers can turn around without hitting it. Anything from recommendation engines to the large language models that we're talking about. In general, whenever we're looking at things that people call AI, what we're normally seeing is 
some prediction based on past training data. It's that simple. And so when you're taking all of the information, for example, from your website, and it's inside of BigQuery, and you're running it through some very well-known stats models, it will start to tell you, for example, on a time series, if it notices that you had seasonal ebbs and flows on your website in the past, it will be able to, and this is a great thing that you can test, you can withhold from it, let's say, the last few weeks of data and see whether or not it correctly predicts what did happen in the last few weeks based on its information from the last 12 months. Predictions are something that once you see how they can be done and once you realize that is the magic trick that makes ChatGPT possible or makes Netflix really good at spending a lot of money on making a movie because they know that it contains things that were winning ingredients in the movies that already got huge viewership. Once you see that, you realize, okay, this is now something I can actually depend on at work. It's not just a neat thing. It's something that I can actually bring to bear on putting on my next month or quarter plan. Yeah, that is awesome. That is awesome. When I've been when I've been poking around in GA4, one of the things that I've noticed, and I was having a funny conversation. I was having a conversation with Casey Cheshire, the normal, <laughs> usual host of this show, and it was funny to me because there was this great new thing called conversions that it seems like there's this whole amazing tool built up for that in GA4. And I was like, Casey, should I set this up? And he said, ah, no. It's not like it's an e-commerce company. We don't really need to be tracking that right now. Which, to be fair, I have plenty of other marketing priorities. <laughs> right. But talk to me about that. Because I'd love to know what the... What's the big deal with conversions in GA4? Okay, so to do this, I'll take 10 seconds and explain the thing that's underneath the conversion first. And it's called an event. And this is like the, it's almost like the atom that makes up everything inside of analytics, right? When you get down to it, what are we really, like what puts a new line of data in a database when somebody is on your website. It's an event. An event can be they looked at a page, they clicked on something, they scrolled somewhere. It can it be anything, okay? That's, and I know a lot of people great at this, like it bothers them because they find that is so vague. But if you think about, all right, the things I really care about the, on my website that I really want my prospects to do. Um, I want them to fill out that, get a quote form. Okay. So you're saying they type things into a few fields, tab through, put their mouse over or their finger if they're on a mobile over a button and they tapped it? Yes. Okay. Guess what? Those are events. So a conversion is nothing more than event 
that gets promoted to this special place. What in the back end it means is that you're telling Google Analytics this is not just every other event. As a matter of fact, we would drive ourselves nuts if we made everything a conversion. So these are in the rarefied era of things that are important to me. And what it's doing behind the scenes is it's attaching attributes of the people who did that thing and it's making sure that it holds on to that information and it's also making sure that any other parts of the Google ecosystem that may need to know that, for example, if you're using Google Ads, then all of a sudden those other associated properties of that person who did that thing for that specific conversion, those are now being tracked. And that matters because we are now getting into how most digital marketing works, which is based on our behavior, right? Our digital body language that we exhibit when we're using a website or an app. So all of that information becomes vitally important if we're ever going to figure out how do I predict how that's going to happen again? How do I get the next person to do that? How do I optimize this? Okay. So I will, <laughs> that's something to make sure that is is all set up in how so you said you don't want obviously you don't want to do that for every event I and mean, you only want the certain specific ones maybe for like you said forms or CTAs or things like that is that really the use case and actually so it's adding it's attaching all these activity attributes to users right and can you get pretty granular with that, with, with the Explorer function and with going in with the intention of, okay, I want to get, I want to retarget people who have taken these actions on my website? Yes, you can. And there are quite a few different dimensions. So that's a word that you'll see if you're using the interface. You've got to figure out what dimension you would like to measure. So that could be what device they're on, which part of the world they're in, et cetera, et cetera. But I want you to be aware, particularly if the Google ecosystem is where you're using this. So for example, you're running Google ads or maybe campaign manager, something that is made by Google. I don't want you to think that what you're looking at is the sum total of what they have at their disposal. So when you've highlighted that conversion action, know also that they are applying information signals, as they call them, could tell Google what searches did this person do before and after they were on my website? What were those things for? Were the terms similar to the term that brought them to my site? How long did they dwell on a site that was like my site? How recently and frequently have they been maybe completing a conversion action on another website? Remember, they've given out GA4 to all of us. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So they have everybody's GA4, okay? <laughs> Just pointing that out. And so, yes, within their own 
piece of the marketing and advertising world, they are able to use more of this. Um, to get just on a short tangent from that, you asked about which events and which things should be tracked and could be. I guess I have to splice my answer for the folks that are listening that have their website doing a lead generation action, so not e-commerce. When you go into the admin area of Google Analytics, you'll see they already have, because they're so darn sure of themselves, they have already turned on a conversion event, and it's called purchase. Okay, those of us in B2B, okay, so not helpful, but they're showing that out of the box, they believe that they know how an e-commerce site wants to measure, and they've just defaulted that. But there are some other ones that are near defaults, and these are in an area you'll find called enhanced tracking. And these are handy because they take less work to set up than we had in the past where we probably had to walk over to a web developer or a person that understood web tagging, maybe the person who yeah, ran our content management system. So these handful of enhanced tracking, which you can basically move a slider and turn them all on, these are things like, was a form completed on my website? Was a video watched started? Was it watched all the way through? Was a file downloaded? So these are really good <laughs> meat and potatoes things that happen on our websites and I would encourage people to go and turn that on first and you may just find when you then go back in and look at what's actually happening like when you test it and you try to download that file or you try to watch that movie you may all of a sudden notice that Google Analytics says I saw that if it saw it it's an event and if it's an event you can finish my sentence for me what do, what can you do with it you can turn it into a conversion there you go Woo. <laughs> okay awesome so this has been such a cool conversation um, i agree i'm loving this so what do from a day-to-day -day kind of perspective what do marketers need to do differently um when using GA4, when approaching this, what changes do you know, B2B marketers need to, need to take in order to get the most from this? Yeah. I'm biased, <laughs> but I will say a B2B marketer needs to be willing to admit that what they really got into marketing for was to help go all the way through the funnel. And while we've been talking about just the website analytics in this piece and the GA4 interface certainly focuses on that, this is now time for us to step up to actually tracking and hopefully tracking in a consolidated way what's happening throughout the funnel, all the way from the very top search that was done or a social interaction that was off-site, through onto our site, and then further into the interactions with emails that we sent once they were an identified prospect, and then if they become a qualified prospect and an opportunity, what interactions happen there, and then finally, when we close the deal, 
how did that go and how much was it for? This is a great time to be a marketer because instead of saying that's unknowable or I could find that out, but I'd get laughed out of my boss's office if I proposed that we buy all the tools that it would take to find that out. Now, really the pacing item for figuring out the answers to those questions, the pacing item is really how skilled are you at being able to tie things together and ask the right questions? A little da- it's mm. a little daunting, but I think it, it's exciting at the same time. The only limiting factor is yourself. <laughs> right? We have met the enemy and he is us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some Sun Tzu in, in your Google Analytics. <laughs> so I do want to... I do want to get a little, I want to get into to who you are and where this amazing knowledge base has come from. But b- before we do that, talk to me. I saw that you happened to be posting about Google Optimize just today. You had a little, I think a webinar or something about that. So talk to me about what the new alternative is for Google Optimize. Is there something in GA4 that is ready for A-B tests and we just have to turn it on? Or is are we waiting for the next Google Optimize or something like that? Sure. I'll qualify. We're here recording in spring of 2023. So what yes, I'm about to say, I'm, I may be sounding like a complete moron if in the intervening time uh, there are some announcements made. So there, I've made my qualifier. Yeah, Google Optimize, which is the tool that had been free for people to test, like split test or A-B test pages on their website and find out which design has a better conversion rate. Google's announced that they're making that go away. I don't have any crystal ball that's better than anybody else. Sam, I have no idea. They've <laughs> alluded to the fact that they'll put something into GA4. I would say instead of maybe this compulsion that marketers sometimes have, which is I have to have this tool, I would just encourage people to step back for a second and go, all right, did you have, did you use Google Optimize? And if you didn't, I love the question because I happen to buy some consumer electronics. I've been known to do that once or twice, but the acid... (laughs) test for me is it currently powered up or is it sitting in a drawer and it's dead so that tells me yeah right are you using it or are you not using it google optimize for us for many of us was the dead device sitting in a drawer okay zero battery so yeah. before we all go crazy running out and trying to get the next one and there are many offerings out there but so my point is how do you want to improve your funnel? If you think that you want to improve, for example, the variety of ads that you're using that get somebody to a web page, pick your ad platform. They've all got a experiment functionality inside of them. So you've got that. If you're trying to um, see how different pages on your website are performing, Maybe just leave the ones that you have right now and 
look at your analytics and try and look at it closely enough where you can start to form questions in your mind. Maybe they were, maybe they left this page. Maybe it was exited so much because it's missing something that it should have. And then try putting it on for all of them. And maybe you'll even be able to just say from a before to an after, I made a change for the better. You can always roll back. And then it doesn't stop there when we're looking at the emails that we send out, when we're looking at the way that our sales development people are handing over to account people. There are always places where we can scrutinize the way that we're sending things out and we're, we can see the engagement, we can see the blowback, we can see the positive signs. There is some way to tell sentiment in most of the tools that we have. And I would hope that we're being balanced and not just fixated on this one piece of it called the A-B test on the web page. Yeah, I would, I'd be dubious of any, anyone who said, no, no, everything's, everything else is perfectly optimized. Yeah, the only right? thing I need to work not on like is the website. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Talk to me about little Glenn. Take me back. Take me all the way back. All right. Did you know that you were going to be this, this Google analytics marketing platform data expert genius extraordinaire? Did you know that was from the time you were born? Oh, I'm going to do that. Talk, talk to me about that journey and little Glenn. Sure. I will only in the hopes that it gives people who maybe are at a different stage on that journey, some solace that it's going to be okay for them because I had no preconceived idea. So yeah, if we go back to, in my own case, the things that I can see in reverse and I'll borrow from Steve Jobs' old line about, you can only see those connections between the dots if you're looking backward. But if we look at myself, maybe in my, as a kid or in my teens, I was not really a math whiz. I had a lot of interest in facts and different things. Some numbers, I remember, for example, my mom thought, she got me a copy of the Guinness Book of World Records and on car rides or whatever in the summer, anytime I had... I would putting my nose in that book and she would find me spouting off just when we're going around, oh, there's a building. Oh, did you happen to know that the world's tallest building is, and I'd just have it right there. So I had a kind of information hunger and I was grateful that they were able to indulge my interest in books and read a lot of books, hundreds, close to a thousand, I think by this point. So. I mean, that, that was there and through university and then out into the work world, I found it interesting to take that into areas that I had two areas that I really enjoyed when I was starting into my career. And again, as you pointed out at the very beginning, that's now coming up on 30 years. I have to level set here to remind people no internet or no widely available web and of course no mobile my interests may seem very ordinary maybe even boring by today's standards but i was interested in from work and i found myself working in companies that 
would allow me to find information that would help their marketing, would help them target their sales force better. I worked, one of my first jobs out of school was in the international trade space. So that was involving movement of goods back and forth along the Canada-US border. And I found this amazing tool that was relatively new at the time called a spreadsheet. And that I could grab information that would come on a CD-ROM from the statistics agencies, plunk it into this spreadsheet and start telling them information about where the goods were flowing and where they needed to go send sales reps if they wanted to capture more market share. So that was definitely a part of me that maybe you can see the line and the dots. But another part was, as I said, I love to read and I always found communications to be important. Um, I was, of course, as most of us are in our college years, interested in sounding smart, but I made a conscious shift around that time, especially when it came to presenting in a meeting or getting uh, an email put together that would convince my boss that we should go in a certain direction. And I gave up trying to sound smart because I was way more desperate to be understood than I was to have that impression. And I just started saying to myself, wow, communications isn't just how I unlock how I'm doing with my boss or with my colleague, but communications is the way that a buyer buys. It's how a seller can convince a buyer that the seller's product is what the buyer has been looking for their whole life. And I suppose it's those two things, if you bring them together in a nutshell, is why marketing analytics means a lot to me. Because I think you ne no company exists unless somebody sells something. But how a buyer wants to find out about that thing and solve their problem is done via communication. And the fact that we can track this communication in a non-invasive way, and we can basically give the seller a helping hand so that they make sure that communication hits home, that to me is beautiful to see. And I'm very happy that I get to be in a career where I can guide companies and self-diagnose my own company on figuring out how to do that. Man, that's great. That's, it's such a cool, it sounds with the importance that you've put on communication, it sounds like that perfect marriage of both parts of marketing, the science and the art, the two aspects of those just perfectly coming together throughout throughout your career, which is really cool. There are people who have done it, I think, even in more cool ways than me. I've looked at the people in computer science and engineering. So they, to me, take it to the next level because they can talk these esoteric languages and run all these mad calculations to be able to make things like cool technology that does this. I just am glad, though, that 
with words and numbers, which to me are like the bottom rung on the ladder, that I'm able to still be in the circles of this. Look, we're both talking about an analytics technology, a cloud-based analytics technology that really didn't exist 15, 20 years ago. You better believe that I gravitated to this kind of thing because it's so much better when the technology is able to be moved down to the plumbing level. Yes, we have had in the past, I've had to sit through meetings where tracking websites was a lot of technical slogging. But marketers today, if you need me to tell you, you don't know how lucky you are that we now have something that strips away what's actually happening, which is code, but clears a path for you to just use the basic tools that I'm sure every listener has to figure out how to do better at this. But the technology is a, it's a critical part and it's amazing that it does all this. It doesn't ask for anything in return. It just keeps churning out the data that tells us, oh, you're getting warmer or nope, nope, you're getting colder. Yeah. It's, I'll be honest, it's been a pretty good, pretty good time to get into marketing. For sure. <laughs> okay. So I've got a, I've got a little bit of a hypothetical for you. Try, try right? me. Okay. Okay. So I may or may not have a time machine up here, down here in New Hampshire, and it's in the back of, it's in the back of the office. It's in the back parking lot and it's got a tarp on it. It's all bundled up over there, but let's say you come down here, maybe if Toronto makes it out of the first round and they're playing Boston. So you come down here, we get some beer, we get some lobster, we get some other New England necessities, some Sam Adams, um, and we go to the, we go to the time machine and it's a specific time machine. So it, you can go back and you can talk to yourself a week after graduation from the University of Toronto. You've got, boom, brand new bachelors of political science. And you get to tell your younger self anything. You get to impart any knowledge, any tips that you want. You, you can just give it to them, and it's not going to rip a space-time apart. Space-time, the continuity is okay. What advice would you give to your younger self? Whew. I think a helpful piece of advice would be to appreciate what each stage can lead to, and that the entire journey will not be obvious to you, so you should try to just follow the things that you feel are going to have a high likelihood of output, but being ready to admit when those things don't pan out. Would that be any different from how, let's say the average marketing campaign goes? I don't think so. <laughs> so maybe I'm speaking as a marketer to myself, but I'm trying to apply that advice a little more broadly, you know, that the thought that was in that person's mind that we hopped back and visited was I need to, you know, 
go take some more schooling in business and then i need to go and work in this kind of international trade sphere sure i did that but i had no idea at that time that that company that i was working with in trade was hatching a software product and the software product ended up taking me into a slew of technology companies and even getting comfortable enough that I could make my living around working with technology and helping demystify technology for people, I never would have seen it. So the advice of, unless you were going to tell me how much money to put down on the Mets winning the series in yeah. 2023, advice that probably would have served me well would be just with each one of those little changes, just try to get the maximum out of that local change and let the global set of changes take care of themselves. Because you don't know what you don't know. Man, I love that. I love that. Glenn, if someone's listening and they've made it this far, thank you. But where can they reach out to you? Where can they find you? I try to be sociable. And I also try and wanted to thank you for mentioning the Final Reboot podcast earlier. I would say to people, they should still keep hardcore marketing as a staple in their diet. But if they did want to lean a little bit more onto the analytics and paid media side, that that podcast is, I think, a pretty good one. And I'm nearly at 150 episodes now. But I'm available on most social platforms, either my name or Hey Glenn S, which will also work. And through, of course, Marketing What's New, where people can go and find out about the GA4 training and the GA4 and BigQuery education that I put out. Awesome. And the, the Funnel Reboot Podcast, part of the Balanced Podcast Breakfast. <laughs> Glad I want to thank you again so much for coming on and be, being my first being my first guest and you know giving us so much value and so much so many great takeaways that I am I'm itching to go get started on and get implemented on my own site. So I thank you so much for coming on and I, I can't wait to continue to get your podcast and consume your blogs and everything else. You did great, Sam. In fact, I'm even willing to overlook the fact that you and I have completely different hockey objectives <laughs> in mind. And uh, we may be able to overcome that rivalry by the fact that you're such a damn good podcast host. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if that... That might smooth over it, exactly. Yeah, yeah. We'll see if that lasts at the... If we meet in the second round, exactly. we'll have to see. Awesome. Glenn, again, thank you so much for coming on. And for anyone listening, thank you for listening. Share this podcast. If you've learned something, if you've laughed, tell somebody about this. One person, two people, 300 people. That's really thought leadership. I've got two pages of notes over here. Oh and about a billion thoughts racing through my head. Share this with someone who needs it, and we will catch you all next time on the next episode of the Hardcore Marketing Show.